a lot of people who are God helpers. And, and we, we try to spend a lot of time helping God do what, what, what he said he was going to do. We, we spend a lot of, really, for the most part, mental energy. We don't, we don't necessarily spend a lot of physical energy all the time, but, it, but if your mind is, is rolling around of, of the 16 different ways God could take care of this particular situation for you, you're probably a fixer. And, and you're, 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 if your head is going that direction, if you're worried about how you can fix your spouse or how you can fix your boss or how you can fix this person down the street or how you can fix your situation with your finances or how God could do this or how God could do that, then, then you're probably a fixer. And mentally, that'll drive you uh, batty. It'll be such a weight. It'll be such a load that you won't be able to carry it and you won't be able to go, to go forward in what he wants you to go forward in. The word that I had when I woke up was, was can you fix it? And in my, in my life, I, I, I go up and down just probably like you do. Some days I think I'm great, carefree, Mentally, the load is off and just enjoying God and who he is and soaking in his goodness. And then there's other days where something comes along and and instead of casting that care on him, instead of trusting him more than I trust myself for the situation, I begin to take that care and just begin to meditate it. The devil's really good. He'll get you meditating something, but it'll start off you're meditating something good. You're headed down a path and all you want is good. But before the time is over, you are so far in the gutter and you have such a weight on yourself that sometimes you'll make yourself sick. And if you're trying to figure out how how you can make it, how God will open up a door, how he'll make a way, that's a problem. What we need to do is be able to cast that care on him and say, God, I know you will make a way. I know you will open the door and I am not going to be the one who fixes it. You're going to be the one who fixes it. The farmer plants seed and the farmer harvests. The farmer doesn't make the seed grow. In your life, God promises and he fulfills. And he's the one who brings that harvest to pass. You sow your seed of faith and you reap that, whatever it is, that harvest by faith. And he's the one who makes it up between point A and point B. He's the one who brings the corn up out of the ground. The farmer can fret. The farmer can be upset. There could be drought. There could be flood. There could be pestilence. There could be all of these things in the natural. And the farmer could sit at home and worry himself all day long for months whether or not this harvest is going to come and he's going to have what he planted. He's going to be able to make it and it's going to be enough for him and his family and all these things. But will that help the corn grow? No. It will only... It will only bring problems and difficulties to him. That kind of worry and that kind of stress and that kind of mental energy and that kind of load being carried by us in this earth, our bodies aren't made for it. That, that farmers many times are, are, are healthy fellas, but you can't be healthy if you're carrying a load of cares. If you're carrying that stuff mentally, if you, it'll begin to bother you physically. It'll begin to wear you out from the inside out. And there won't be much left of you. And here's the, here's the big thing. You can't do anything about it anyway. The farmer can't. I mean, he can't go out there and yell at the corn. I mean, he can't go out there and, and, and scream at it. He's already planted it. He goes out every now and then and fertilizes the ground. And he takes care of the weeds. And he does the things that he's required to do. But it's God who brings that thing to pass. Not the farmer. And in our lives, many times, God shows us something, promises something, we're believing for something, and we haven't yet seen it, and so then we go from trusting him and standing in faith to trying to figure it out. 
And what that does in our lives is it takes us down a path that slowly leads to, if we continued in that path, would slowly lead to death. You can worry yourself to death. But it really, what it does is your countenance begins to fall. And all of a sudden, you're not the person that you were last week. And it's a little at a time and a piece at a time. And I know this because I can, I can, I can go there. And I have to be careful and I have to watch out. And I've got an example here from our vacation where I, 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 I have issues with some things. And I begin to meditate on the wrong thing. And when you begin to meditate on the wrong thing, it begins to take you down a path that you don't want to go down. And sometimes you get going down that path so far, there's nobody that can help you get out of that thing. You are chugging down there 100, 100 miles an hour. The scripture that he gave me was Matthew chapter 6. And it's verse 25 through 28. And in the New Living Testament, it says, that, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink, or whether you have enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? In verse 27, it says, this is the one that, that, that caught me. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? You might not be able to fix your situation, but you know who can. You might not be able to fix your kids, but you know who can. You might not be able to fix your finances. You might not be able to fix your health, but you know who can. I'm not the greatest fixer in the world uh, in the natural. I, I don't, I, I have... I have learned some things over the years. I, I can kind of fix our house, but I know a lot of guys in this church who do. And so I've gotten a little braver in fixing things because I know if I bust them up, somebody around here can probably fix it. But I, I'm, not, I'm not really great at it, but I know who is. And so I can get on the phone and I can call Mark Hassett or I can call Bill O'Brien or I can call Andy or I can call, I can call Greg. I won't call Mike because he can't handle a hammer either. So I won't call him. But I, you call the ones who can help. And what, what that does is it frees me. It frees me from that load or that pressure. You know, when we came home a couple of years ago and our air conditioner wasn't working and it was about 140 outside. How come your air conditioner always waits till the hottest day of the year? It doesn't happen in springtime. It waits till it's bleeding hot. And I came home and, and it was 80 degrees in our house and she was cooking and sweating. And I said, what's wrong with the air conditioner? And she says, oh, why? Is there something wrong? It's 80 degrees in here. The dogs are crying and you're sweating. Yeah, something's wrong. I mean, I mean and the panic begins to set in. Instantly, I, I, mean, I, I'm, I, I won't be able to sleep. I, 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 what will I do? I'll have to call. I've got to call mom. I'm going to have to go over to her house. I'm going to go over to Lauren Joe's because it's an igloo. I'm trying to figure out all the things I can do. You begin to see one thing and off you go. I, our house is trash, it's ruined, we might as well set it on fire. That's, that's where, I mean, I quickly, you can just go right there if you're not paying attention. Forget it, this place is a dump, bulldoze it in, we're moving. Put a set for, for sale sign in the front yard, let's go look for another one. We had a car one time, well, let me finish this story. We, <laughs> I got a lot of them. This would be quite a night. But I, I immediately call, I call Andy, and, and he and Lisa come over on the motorcycle, and, and he starts looking at it. And so he says, okay, we, we, it's no problem. And I, whew, we can fix it tomorrow. That's a problem. It's 80 degrees in here. I'm going to have to go to a hotel because I, I, can't, I can't do this. And he's like, suck it up, you big wimp. And so, I, okay. 
So I call these guys and these other people come because we just bought the house and it was supposed to be under warranty or something. They said it went under warranty. So Andy came over and he finally, he fixed it up. 12 bucks. I'm already, not only is the house hot, I'm already thinking air conditioners are $10,000 at least. <laughs> probably 20. I'm probably, I'm, I, I mean, I'm going to have to sell the cars. I, that, and the kids and, and I, I just, just leave. Come on, just get in the car. We're just going to go, just going to drive away. I, I, you, all of a sudden, man, you can just start going in crazy directions in your head. I wasn't the pastor then. I was still teaching. So I, I'm better now, somewhat. But, you know, you kinda, we, had a, we had a car. Uh, we had this big van, this purple van, and the air conditioner stopped working. I don't know what it is about the air conditioner, but the air conditioner stopped, stopped working on that too. So we took it to Florida, and Florida's hot, and, and Dusty was with us on this trip. It was Dusty in the back and, and all our kids, and we were coming home, and we were going about the speed limit through Atlanta <laughs> and uh, just south of Atlanta. Uh, we were going the speed limit, which was 64. We were one under the speed limit, probably. She was driving, and the back tire blew up. And, and it goes sideways on us, and so we, we, know, we get off the road, and thank God Dusty's with us, because he's Andy's kid, so he can fix it. So he, you know, he's, he's telling us all to get out of the way, get out of the way, it's what you got, you know. So we, we put on the little donut tire, and immediately, oh, it's over. We might, as well just, we might as well just move to Atlanta. We're done. We can't even get out of Atlanta now. We're going to have to live here forever. Uh, in my head. And so we, you know, we called Joe and Joe, you know, Joe's good. He's Mr. Calm and collected and <laughs> shut up, man. You just got, just got a busted tire. So, you know, you start going like that. And then we, we end up spending the night in a place in a hotel and, and, and I don't sleep the whole night. I don't sleep the whole time. Why do I? Why? Because I can't figure out how this tire thing's going to get fixed. I can't figure out how we're, what are you laughing about? Huh? It's so sad. I didn't sleep. I stayed up all night thinking, how am I going to get this tire fixed? How am I going to get this tire fixed? I didn't worry that Joe had 24 people in his room because he's got 12 kids, and they were all packed in that room. And, but I, it's like, oh, man, I, how's this tire going to Hey, I tell you what, you know what happened? The next day, the tire store opened. We drove to the tire store. They put a new tire on it, and we drove home. That, that's how it worked. And I lost sleep because I couldn't figure out how it was going to get fixed. When, when we learn to trust God for these things and these situations, it takes all the pressure off. It takes all the pressure off when your kids begin to do crazy stuff and you realize, you know what, I don't, I don't have to make them be okay. God's going to make them be okay. But I have to have faith and I have to be able to trust in God that he, that he will take care of them and that he, he will bring them. I have to say, okay, God, we have planted seed. We have spoke the word. We're continuing to speak the word. My kids aren't going south or anything. I'm just as an example. You know, you begin to talk those things out and you begin, you begin to stand in faith and you don't let go of what God said. You begin to do the things we've been talking about, speaking into their life and prophesying over who they're going to become and those things. But you trust God to do it. You don't do all that, then you stand outside their house picketing on Sunday morning saying, you better come to church with me or I'm not going to leave your yard. I mean, unless God told you to, but probably not. You trust God. You trust God to bring them back into that place. Like it says in Matthew 6, why do you worry? Can, can that, I'm telling you, me staying up all night that night, it did not get the tire fixed. It just caused me to have to drive home the next day from Atlanta with no sleep which probably made me grumpy and cranky. And you know what I did when I got home? The next day we got home, I drove over to the Defiles place and I dropped off the van and said, I want another one. It's got a broken tire. I don't want this one. And he said, what, what, uh, 
for real? And I said, yep, we got to get something that runs right. And he said, where's the hubcap? I said, it's probably still going down 75 somewhere in the woods. I got no idea. The tires blew up. And we had other problems. The air conditioning didn't work and everything else. But, but that, that was, I, I go that direction pretty quick. Sometimes. Worry is detrimental to your health. It'll mess you up. Anxiety in the heart causes uh, depression. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. That, anxiety will make you, it, it'll send you off the edge. But all anxiety is, is you or I taking on the load and the responsibility of doing God's job. That's all, that's all it is. That anxiety or that stress or that pressure or that worry that, that you experience in your life, it, it, all it is, is us taking on the, the responsibility and the care of what God wants to do. We're trying to take his load. No, you want to know why it crushes you? Because it's his load. It's what he's supposed to carry. And instead of you carrying that, you give that big load to him. And then in Matthew, it says, chapter, Matthew chapter 11, in 28 and 29 and 30 in there, it says, you come to me when you're weary and you're heavy laden, and I will give you that rest. And I will take that load from you, and I will give you my load that I have, which is easy, and that burden, which is light. See, we're trying to carry the load that he's supposed to carry. That's what worry does. That's what stress does in our life. It, it, it pulls us down. Worriers, fixers, didn't dwell, they didn't do so well in the word either. In Genesis chapter 16, Sarah and Abraham had been promised a son. And as they've gone through verse chapter 12 to chapter 15 and now 16, it's been 10 years since God promised him this, and Sarah was getting a little bit stressed in her faith level. And so she began to, to work up this plan or this thought that said, I'm going to help God. And we're going to have a kid, and obviously it's not happening with me, but it's going to happen somehow with Abraham. And so he sends Abraham to Hagar, or he sends, she sends Hagar to Abraham, however you want to look at it. And they end up having a baby together. That was not God's will. That was not God's best, and they ended up with Ishmael. And when all that went down and all that happened, it said as soon as, as, soon as Hagar became pregnant, all of a sudden Sarah had great disdain for her in her life that something changed on the inside of her. The children of Israel in Exodus chapter 32, when Moses was on the mount with God, they got impatient. They got to worrying. They got, they got nervous. They got, he was up there talking to God too long, and they didn't know what to do, and they didn't have anything to worship, and where were they going to sacrifice? And I mean, all of these thoughts, like, you know, can you feel that pressure and stress when I start talking about the car and all those things? I mean, you start feeling that thing. They're, they're standing out there in front of that mountain, and they're feeling that thing. And so they come to, they run to Aaron, and they say, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know what we're going to sacrifice. We've got we to gotta worship something. We need a God. You make us a God. Make us a God. And so he said, well, give me all your earrings. And then he made a golden calf. Man, I'm telling you, that kind of stuff will take you down the, the wrong path real quick. And so now they've got a calf, and, and, and God sees it, and he's upset, and Moses talks him out of slaying everybody again, and then Moses comes down, and he checks it out, and he gets upset, and he gets irritated, and you know what? He, he smashed up that idol into powder. He put it in the water, then he made everybody drink it. Didn't end up so well for them. Yet you, ha you have to be able to to listen to what God's speaking to you, begin to understand what your part is to stand in faith, whatever that particular thing might be, but to only do your part and not try to do God's part because we'll ultimately get God's part wrong. We will do the wrong thing. We're the ones who will pay the price, not somebody else. 
We're supposed to follow those, it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Imitate those who through faith and patience, through faith and patience, how they inherited. That's what we're supposed to do. Don't be sluggish. Don't be lazy. It says, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Will, will you inherit? Will, I, will we inherit the promises of God in our life? Will we through faith and patience? Will we be able to be in situations that don't look like they're going to go the right direction and be okay? You know, I've shared this story before about our daughter, Rach, and, and she wanted to be the valedictorian, and she was going to get a B her sophomore year. And uh, she, she, that was stress pressure, uh, you know. She got that from her mom. And, and so she was really worried and upset, of, you know, all those kind of things. So she, she's like, Daddy, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think I might get, I might get a B. And I said, well, well that's okay. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. I said, well, it, it's, it's, it'll be all right. No, I, no, no. I said, no, listen. That, we, I got to know. I mean, you get a B, I got to know you're going to be okay. You got to be all right. You're going to have to be okay even if you get a B. Whether you get an A or whether you get a B. Because if she gets a B, she can't be valedictorian. So now these dreams and these things that, that she had planned and that she thought was going to happen, if she got that B, they, they wouldn't happen. Well, at that point, she got a B, but I, we had to know, are you going to be okay even if you don't get a B? Are you going to be okay in the midst of God telling you and God bringing it to pass? You know, I, I, I can take on those things, and, and we grow, and it's not so much money issues, and it's not so much air conditioner issues or those kind of things. It, it's little things, little things in my life and probably little things in your life. The best thing for Elizabeth and I to realize was along the way somewhere, I can't fix her and she can't fix me. That's God's job. And I have to be okay with that. But it relieves the pressure. It relieves the stress. I just pray that she fixes or God fixes all the heinous things that she does and deals with and, and is sometimes. Yeah, you struggle. You do. It's just, it's just terrible. Get your stuff together, girl. But it takes, see, it takes the pressure and stress away. I don't have to fix her. I don't have to fix my kids. When your kids get to be old enough to start making decisions and going and doing things, you have to remember that they're gods. And he loaned them to us to raise. And as we've poured the word into them as they grow up, God's the one who makes sure that his word doesn't return void. Not you and me. That you can sleep at night knowing that God's going to take care of them. When Rachel moved to Indy this summer, that was a big deal for me. I've shared it a few times. That was a, that was a big deal when she said, Daddy, I'm not going to live here. I'm going to live in Indy. Actually, she said, I'm going to work in Indy. She knows how to play me. I'm going to work in Indy. And I said, well, that's going to be a long drive every day. <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, I'm not going to live here. Huh? You're not going to live right next to me? The room right next door to where I am? You're not going to come back to that? You're going to... Where are you going? You're not going to be in the sorority? No, I got an apartment. Do you now? Okay. But I had to come to the place where I could say, that's all right. If that's what God has for her in this direction, in this season of her life, praise God, good stuff. Whew. I'm practicing what I preach. It's, it's good stuff. But God takes care of her. Not by our responsibility to watch over her in the natural the best we can and, and do what God asks us to do. But really, God's the one who's going to take care of her in the end of this thing. It can't be me. It can't be, it can't be you. It can't be grandma. It's, it's got to be God. 
But frustration comes in these moments. Frustration comes in this point. When you're trying to be a fixer and it doesn't work, you get frustrated. And that frustration just does all kinds of crazy things in your life. You have to be careful. Don't get frustrated. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, basically he said, listen, it's all good, people. He was telling the Philippians, I I understand. He says, I rejoice here in the Lord greatly that it now, at last, your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. It's the next verse 11 that starts going the right direction here. It says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have, and this is a good word, learned. Say learned. Learned. He says, I have learned in whatever state I find myself to be content. It goes on and talks about being, being abased a, a, a or b- abounding. I've known how to be abased, which means to have little. And I know how to abound, to have much. Everywhere and in all things I have, again that word, learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says at the next point, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing can hold me back. But I like the part that says I have learned. This is a process, and this is a growing opportunity in all of our lives. And it's, it's season by season, it's situation by situation, and you learn many times, not from the things you've done right, but from the things you've done wrong. And the next time you go through that situation, you don't have that kind of issue or opportunity. You have to know that this is true. Galatians 6. In, in, chapter, in verse 9 of Galatians 6, it says that we will reap a harvest. Let us not grow weary, it says, while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. But before that it says, in those two verses before that, it talks about the fact that God should not be mocked, that whatever a man sows, this he will reap. But if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption, but if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. In that place, in between the promise and the fulfillment, What's going on on the inside of you? Because those thoughts that you're having, staying up all night, worried that the air conditioner is not going to work, or how are you going to get a tire, or what's going to, you're working yourself up into all these situations. Those are seeds that you're planting that bring back an unhealthy harvest. If you worry long enough, you'll begin to make yourself sick. I mean, there's ulcers and there's all kinds of things that can happen. There's stress. Your heart can start going sideways on you. Uh, as you begin to take those loads and you begin to carry that weight and you don't walk in his peace, but you walk in that worry, that carrying the load and the care, it'll begin, you'll, those are seeds that you're planting and you will reap a harvest, it says. It says, God won't be mocked, that you will reap a harvest on the seeds that you sow. We like to think that for the good things that we do, but we have to realize that, that mentally, if we're taking on this weight and this load, there's, there's repercussions to this. There is a harvest to that. And we wonder sometimes, why am I so sick? Why, why, can't I, why, can't I, why can't I act right? Why can't things go right on the inside of me? Why is my, why is my heart hurt, hurt? Why does my stomach hurt so much all the time? Well, all you're doing is, is worrying. All you're doing is carrying a load that you weren't built or you weren't designed to carry. And, we, and we, can't, we can't do that. We have to know the nine part. That listen, you will reap that harvest. Don't grow weary in that well-doing. When do you grow weary? When you're carrying the weight you're not supposed to carry. When you're carrying the weight you're not supposed to carry, that weight that he says for us to give to him in Matthew chapter 11. 
bring that care, bring that junk, bring that thought, bring that, bring all of that that you're trying to mull over and you're trying to carry, bring it to me and then I will give you the load that is appropriate, the load that is light, and the burden that is livable. That's that next passage there. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Give it to him. Now, when you do that, then the other things start happening. Now you're planting the seeds in the right direction. First of all, he has his hands on what he's going to fix. And you don't have your hands on what he's going to fix. Let go of it. And then you can go down the path. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, in a lighter load running the race that he called you and created you to, to run. Right? It says there that we're supposed to run the race that he set before us. Run that race with endurance. Letting go of the weights and the sin, the junk in our life that so easily ensnares us. Well, I'm not sinning. Yeah, but if you're carrying this mental load, that's a weight. And if you're not giving it to God and it's supposed to be his, then I'd, you just decide for yourself if that's sin or not. But he says as he goes on, focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Fixers end up in frustration, and frustration just means there's bad focus. Fixers end up in a frustrated state because if you can fix it, it probably wasn't God. Because the things that God brings into your life and the things that God does in your life, you can't fix. He can. So fixers end up frustrated. And frustration is just a lack of focus. You've just taken your focus off of him and put it on your situation. It's a lack of faith but it's a lack of focus. But what we realize and, and we should remember and that we should keep in the, the forefront of, of, of our spirit is this idea that says peace is a fruit. And it goes along with eight other ones in Galatians chapter 5. And that just what Galatians 6 says at the end of this particular book, it says that we'll reap a harvest on the seeds that we sow. In chapter 5, as he spoke to the Galatians, Paul said, listen, here's the deal. You plant seeds toward the Spirit, and then you're going to reap, in verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, you're going to reap these fruits. And he goes on and he tells them what they are. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. It's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. But those all come from us letting go of that weight, saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do to fix it, but I know who can. Latching hold of who he is in our life, taking the, the weight or the burden that he might give us, which is light and easy, and walk in that, planting seeds toward the Spirit, and all of a sudden, our tree is a different tree. Our tree is full of peace. We have more patience than we ever thought. God's trying to teach me patience and all he does is put me in traffic. Well, yes. How do you think he's going to do it? He tries to teach me patience and these kids just keep knocking on the door and I can't get it. Well, yes. That's part of learning patience. We tell our kids that. But when it comes back on us, we get a little nervous. It says there's self-control. I can't help myself. Yes, you can. The word says that if we plant seeds toward the spirit, we will reap the fruits of the spirit. And one of those nine fruits is self-control. So if you say, well, I can't help myself. Well, then where are your roots? 
What seeds have you planted to put yourself in a position and in a place where you can't help yourself? Uproot yourself. It's the one thing we have over trees. We can uproot ourselves and plant ourselves back in his presence. We can plant ourselves back in the spirit, back in the word of God. Regular trees can't do that, but we can. If we find ourselves in a bad place, if we find our roots in the wrong place, we can take those roots and we can plant them back in good ground, back in his word. And his peace comes. I don't know if you're, you're I mean, I, I, I talk to a lot of people and, and it's, it's I, 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 most of the time you're just talking people off the roof. As you deal with people in your household or you deal with, all, all, all you're doing is, is just encouraging people that, that God's going to take care of you. It's going to be all right. That God has a plan. He has a way. And they come to pastor because they have all these questions. Listen, pastor doesn't have all these answers. Pastor's just talking you off the ledge. Because I can't fix your problems any different than you can't fix your problems. But I know who can. You knew who, you knew who can or know who can. So all I do is remind you of what you know. Pastors aren't incredibly brilliant all the time. Amen. Yeah, everybody said it. That makes me feel better. <laughs> But here's the, you just, all you have to do is redirect the focus. But, but you don't have the pastor with you all the time. You don't have your sister with you or your brother with you or your, your, your husband who helps you keep your focus the right direction. So what do we do? In our life, we have to build ourselves up and we have to get to the point where, where we find our focus being shifted, we have to shift it back. When we feel that weight coming heavy on us, we got we to gotta get better at casting that care on him. When the tire blows on the highway, everybody's safe, everything's okay, you got to have a little bit of Joe in you and go, <laughs> I bet that was cool. Yeah. There has to, there, you, ha, you have to be the one who does that, not, not somebody else. See, in, instead, we try to put on the spiritual tool belt and we start, we start trying to help God fix it. And all we do is we just start adding to the load. And then we become more discouraged and more upset and more disappointed. Peace isn't found in a person or a place or a thing. Peace is a noun, but it's not found in a person, place, or a thing. It's found in him. And in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God because that man trusts in him. says you will keep him God in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you don't fret God will fix your mess just follow him doesn't give you license to sin not telling you and go out there and just do whatever the heck you want to do but it's saying listen you can trust him he loves you. He cares about you. He knows all about you. And he can take care of what he promised you. And he can do it a lot more efficiently and a lot better than we can. So stop carrying that load and that weight. Like it says in 1 Peter 5, it says, cast that care on him. I like that in Matthew where it says, hey, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. Give me that thing. And then I'll swap with you my load, which is my burden, which is easy. 
and my yoke, which is easy, my burden, which is light. I'll give it to you. Philippians 4, and I'll, leave, I'll end with this, and it's just Paul speaking again, saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, it says in the, new, in the NIV. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Well, I can't rejoice. Do you know what my kids have done? I can't rejoice. Do you know what's happened at my house? I can't rejoice because you know, you know what's going on in my finances and my checkbook. I can't rejoice. It says, hey, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Where are your roots? Where are your roots? You have to be the one. It says, let your gentleness be evident to, the, to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And we talked about it on Sunday and said in 1 John chapter 5, it says that I can come to him and as I ask my petitions, right? It says here that we're supposed to bring our petitions to him, that we're supposed to get before him in prayer and bring those to him, lay those at his feet. And it says in 1 John chapter 5 that if we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us and that we have the petitions that we have asked for. So this is a kind of coming to God that doesn't say, I'm just going to dump all my worries on you. This is a kind of coming to God and saying, here are all the things that are happening in my life. Here are my prayers, and these are the things, Lord. These are my petitions. I bring them to you with thanksgiving. Not thanksgiving that I'm going to see everything happen, but thanksgiving that you are God, that you love me, and that you care for me, and that I know that you will bring what's best in my life. Thanksgiving before you. I bring them to him that way. And it says in verse 7, if we do that, just what I said in the beginning. See, when you know that God's going to take care of your kids, it lifts a burden off of you. When you know that God's going to take care of your finances, it lifts a burden off of you. When you know that God's going to fix this situation in your life and you don't have to fix it yourself, it takes a burden off of you. If you come to him this way and lay your petitions out at his feet... You know that he's hearing you, that you're going to see these things happen in your life. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. In him. In him. But it goes, I mean, this is the same guy writing this that says, you know, in Galatians, the book right before this, I learned, or sorry, Philippians, in this book just a little bit later from here, he says, I learned, I learned, I learned. So don't go out here thinking, man, I have screwed this all up. No, no, no. It's just a learning process. It's just a learning process. And we are always growing into that next situation or place. Amen. That he has for us. Let's stand up and pray today. Because I just want to pray that the peace of God follows you as you follow him. You know, God spoke last two weeks ago or whatever that Wednesday was before we left and and went on vacation. and, And he just spoke that word to me that to follow him. The, the, the children of Israel followed him all through the desert. And in the New Testament, people followed Jesus. And now Jesus is with the Father. And we're with him. And so we're supposed to follow him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that as we follow him, our focus is on him. You can't follow something that you're not focused on. And so now our focus is correct and we go the right direction. Then our mental side of our lives is correct. But when that focus gets off, we're not following him. And then that load begins to build. So today I just pray that the the load is taken off of your shoulders, that you have an opportunity tonight to just cast that care on him. Get rid of the load that you have and grab hold of what he has for you. We hope this message encouraged you. 
Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.